say hallelujah, Lord. Give you glory and honor in this place, God. We thank you, Lord, that you've written our name on the palm of your hand. We thank you, God, that as we praise you, you inhabit it, God. You promised that. And all that is within me would praise your holy name, Lord. Everything that I have is yours. Lord, I thank you that everything we have today is yours. As we were worshiping, I just, I just can't kind of go past this. We were worshiping, and, and I, obviously, like I said, we opened the altar, and many of you just came down to the altar. Just a powerful moment. And I just, in, in my mind, I just, the Holy Spirit just started speaking to me. There was a mom that came down right here. I don't know if many of you could see it, but there was a mom that came down right here. And I'm not trying to embarrass you, but your little son was with you. Son, he's probably, probably five, six years old. Son was praying with his mom just a second ago. And the Holy Spirit just told me to tell you, listen, this, that you're going through a battle and that you've got a lot of, that you have a lot of red tape that you're trying to get through right now. And you're trying to, it's like yellow and red tape, like some like bureaucratic red tape that you can't, and somebody's fighting you with a battle in that stuff. And you're trying to cut through these things that God said, he's going to help you get through all the red tape and make a way for you. And, and, and the other thing is, I don't, I don't even know who you are, but, but you're not alone. And, and that I just, if, if there's some things that you're going through that we can help with is I just kept sensing this from the power of God that uh, find one of our team and uh, they've got a shirt on or an usher or a greeter and, and just just you know if you'd like to we'd love to help you with whatever you're going through and make sure you get through that uh, as a family and so uh, come on we thank you Jesus for being in this place <laughs> miracles are happening in, in our church I had one young lady come up to me uh, as I was just greeting some people before service began and she said uh, my husband's an Easter miracle um, the Saturday wreck on Cedar Bluff uh, was my husband and the truck spun out and a semi pushed him against the wall and uh, my in-laws or my some of my family was in town and so I wasn't riding with my husband and so it's only by God's miracle that he wasn't killed in that wreck and it was a miracle that I wasn't riding with him because the passenger seat was gone and I'd been dead come on God's still intervening in our in our day-to-day -day life. Um, look at somebody and uh, before you grab your seat and say, it's going to be a good day. Look at about three people. Tell them it's going to be a good day and then look at the person you ignored maybe on your right or left and tell them it's because of you. It's because of you. Welcome to Transformation Church, everyone. Good morning. You guys alive today? Man, we are uh, in for a great, great day today. We've already had an amazing first service, several people giving their life to Christ. Uh, how about 31 water baptisms last week? I mean, some of you guys took that step. I'm so proud of you. And uh, this week, it's my honor uh, to have one of my close friends or a good friend of mine, really um, uh, someone that my wife's known for years. Uh, Pastor Michael Smith is in with us. Um, we're, we're a part of an organization called ARC. It, it stands for Association of Related Churches. And so uh, people ask me a lot of times, are you a denomination? What, 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 what are you affiliated with? And so ARC stands for Association of Related Churches. We're in relationship with about a thousand churches that have been planted since about 2002, I believe. Um, and so, and, and it's an amazing thing that ARC is planning about 100 churches a year right now. And um, I always tell you, every time we give here, you're a part of that, seeing those churches planted. We were ARC church number 12, you guys. 
this our church. And so we were, it's an amazing that we've been a part of this for all these years. And so uh, Pastor Michael Smith is the international director or global director for ARC. And so he actually leads all the church planting networks around the globe to help get those uh, set up to, to have successful church planting organizations like ours in, in, in Russia, in Australia, in, in China, all, all around the world. And so um, we're a part of that. And he's also one of our overseers. And so my kids a lot of times ask me, who's your boss, daddy? You know, they want to know who. And so I was joking around. He, he actually is my boss, but but not really that. It's more of a relationship. He's my friend. Um, he's out uh, to bless my wife and I to make sure we're healthy and strong. And so I just say this to you to know that I have accountability in my life. The Bible says that I can't have any authority if I'm not under authority. And so many of you are wondering why you don't have more authority in your life is because you're not willing to submit your life to anyone. And you are your own authority, you know? And so I would encourage you, submit somewhere and place your life under someone that's allowed to tell you what to do. Come on, anybody? Who has someone in your life that can tell you what to do? Anybody? Come on. The rest of you? I'm going to pray for you. Come on. It's a great day to have him in the house. We've already had an amazing word. Give it up. Come on, stand to your feet and give it up for Pastor Michael Smith. Come on, Transformation Church, stand to your feet. Give it up for Pastor Michael. Love you, man. You there. How you doing? Man, I, th- I thought all the energy was in the 915 service, but I, you guys got a beat. I mean, it, yeah, it's, this is good. It's a good flow, man. Don't you love the worship? Man, Emory and the team, man, that's amazing. Come on, let's give it up for those guys. Good, good, good job. Um, my, I, I don't know if they have a picture of myself uh, and my wife. Uh, she's, yeah, there, there she is. She wanted to be here today, obviously married up. And so uh, I'm very grateful for her, her name, Stacy. And uh, she and Sandra, they, they love each other. And we, uh, anyway... Uh, but she sends her love. Actually, Sandra, uh, Sandra and I were on staff together back at Bethany, and I was in a desperate place for a car. And she had a 1980 Honda hatchback or something like that, and I bought that thing for $800. And I drove it for two years, and I sold it for $800. And it just, it was the Lord. And so I'm just... Anyway, we had a great time back uh, working at Bethany, and then uh, Pastor Jamie and I have been friends for quite a few years, and just love, love, love this couple. And uh, there, you know, there's uh, culture in a house, culture in a church is because of the values of the church and the values of the pastor. And one of the things about Pastor Jamie is he is who he is. He is authentic. He's real. And, and, and it just flows in the house. And I just love y'all's leadership. So grateful for you. And, and uh, there's, there's so much ahead. I was telling him earlier today, uh, I just believe his sphere of influence, even in this city, is going to continue to grow, not only as a pastor of this church, but just in, in other pastors as well. And so, so grateful for you guys. Grateful for your, the team here. You got some great... Uh, great serve team here. 
Some of you guys have, are more uh, recent, and so you may not know Will Johnson. Sometimes I call him Will Smith just because I get mixed up and I feel like I'm working with an actor, you know. But, uh, but Will is a, a son of this house and mentored by Pastor Jamie, and he went down to Highlands College in Birmingham. And uh, is Will in here? I don't know if he's, uh, he, may, he may be in the back somewhere. But anyway, oh, there, yes. So, uh, and so um, uh, he went to Highlands College and was interning with me over at ARC for a little while. And after he graduated, he said, man, I'm just trying to figure out what to do. I feel like I'm supposed to stay with you. And he did. And so he works with me uh, as really a partner in ministry. We, we licensed him as a pastor, and he's uh, just been a huge blessing. You'd be very proud of him. But because of that, I owe you guys because you sent him. And so I just want to say thank you. Thank you for Will. Thanks for Will Smith. And so, uh, but he's just, he's, he's been an, an amazing leader. He and I are on the phone often, really on a daily basis. Our, our global friends, they use every app known to man. So I wake up in the morning and I have WhatsApp messages and direct messages on Facebook and text and we Zoom and we FaceTime and we Skype. And we're in a world of time zones, you know, and it just, but it's fun. And God is doing amazing things around the world. Uh, Pastor Jamie's already said uh, a couple of things about ARC, but uh, it's really amazing. We, the churches that you help plan, and that's what you need to know. We don't send couples to other cities. They come to us and they say, hey, I got a dream for, to plan a church in San Diego, in Kalamazoo, Michigan, in Houston, Texas, and could you help us? And so we have an extensive application assessment process because we want to make sure they're ready. And then we do some training and some coaching, and then we fund them. We give them some money to buy equipment with the one condition that they take that money once they get going and give it back to us so we can give it to the next couple. And we just keep reusing it. We've done that for 18 years. And, uh, and, and, and you are a part of that. It's the you, you need to know that it's the equivalent of a new church every four days that you help plant. And they're all over the country. So give yourself a hand on that. So, Okay, <clears throat> so you guys are warming up to me pretty well. I think you're, you're doing good. The first service thought I was nice. And I think if you'll just hang tight, we, you, you're going to like me, hopefully. So... Uh, Anyway, I'm very, very honored to be with you. I really am. Uh, he said, uh, you know, he jokes about me being his boss. My goal is to make sure that these two are doing well. And, uh, and then as that, as an extension of that, I love you as a church. And, uh, but I'm always wanting to make sure they're in a good place. And if they're not, my goal is to come in and to, 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 to help resolve that. And uh, so I don't have anything to do with the operation of the church but uh, it's just a, it's, it's an honor. I'm only an overseer for the good guys. I don't have time to do the bad guys, okay? <laughs> it's too exhausting. <laughs> no, but the, you see, so you got some great pastors. I want to talk for just a few minutes about the word significance. And, uh, and I want to take you to a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. They'll put that up on the screen. And I'm going to read three or four verses. 2 Corinthians 5.17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. That's good news, right? The old is gone. A new life has begun. 
And all of this is a gift from God who has brought us back to himself through Christ. And God gave us this task, everybody say task, of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. That's a great one-liner right there. Not counting your sins against you. And he has given us, the church, this wonderful message of reconciliation. Now skip down to the last verse, verse 21. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to become the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That's a great verse. It's worthy of the fridge right there. Let me read it one more time. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this amazing church. I thank you for your word. Jesus, we love you. It was great singing about how wonderful you are this morning. And, and so come and speak to us. Not only inspire us, but give us some creative ideas of how uh, we can be used by you. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want you to take a minute and, 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 and kind of imagine something with me. Uh, I, want, I want you to imagine what it would be like to be G one of Jesus' 12 disciples. What would that be like? You know, I mean, the, some of you may be new to church and you're not sure what all of that's about. Jesus came down, God sent him to the earth and he uh, was born and he lived the first 30 years. We don't know a ton about those early years. The Bible says in one place that he grew in wisdom, stature, favor with God and man. He was just growing as, 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 a, as a person. Didn't do any ministry until one day when he was 30 years old. John the Baptist was out in, uh, in the wilderness baptizing. And Jesus went up to him to be baptized. Jesus had never sinned, didn't need to, it's different for him, but he was leading the way in this. And when, when he did, something happened. And by the way, you guys are okay if I kind of translate it into my modern language, all right, you know, so I don't have any these and thous in this. But the heavens opened and God spoke and said, this is my boy. This is my man. This is my son. And I am incredibly proud of him I'm proud of him he's got it it's my boy and as he did the spirit of God descended on him and 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 empowered him and he went out and he started doing miracles he healed the sick he had free people by the way there was a freedom conference do you have any freedom conference people freedom people from the freedom event come on good job good job good job that was this weekend if you have not been one of, through one of those, I encourage you. I don't know how often they are, but you will love it, and it, it'll, it'll, it'll be a life changer for you. Congrats to you guys. So he'd go around and heal, heal people and stuff, but he needed a team. So he, he started gathering some people together. Now, he had different groups. Of, there were uh, groups of the 70, and there were ladies that took care of some of their... Uh, uh, food needs and this and that and they gave money and this and that but he wanted he had 12 guys he was going to hang out with he'd, he'd, re, he'd go along and say hey come follow me 
And they would. They'd, they'd be out there fishing, and they'd say, okay. Off they'd go. What would that be like? I think some of you guys, if he said that to you, I know you. There's this humility on you. You'd say, whoa, dude, <laughs> you don't want me on your team. Hey, you need to make this thing work good. I'm telling you, you need Bob over there. He's holy. <laughs> I got a long way to go. I'm telling you, you don't want. But Jesus was not moved by any of that. And he gathered these, these people, and they hung out. I mean, day and night. They, they, they spent the night in the same places together. They sat around the fire together, and they talked, and they helped him do stuff. I think if Nathaniel was one of those. I think if you pulled Nathaniel, we'll call him Nate for short. I think if you pulled Nate aside and said, dude, what was that? What was that like? Does like, does like he read your mail every day? Does he like say, man, how come you keep sinning? Is he always on your case? Is he always teaching? Is he real somber? Is he sober? Is he, is he real, is he mean? I mean, you know, what's it? And I think Nate would say, it is so different than you would ever imagine. It is unbelievable. He is so, he's just not the way you would think. He said, I remember the day he called me and he said, come follow me. He said, when he looked at me, he looked at me in those eyes, I felt like I had significance, that he would want me on his team. He said, I, it was like I was important. And he said, man, we can sit around the fire and, and, and Jesus starts talking. And, and then he says, so Nate, what was your family like growing up? And, and he would... And, and it's, it's like he would stop and he'd listen. He wanted to know. You know what I'm saying? He said, look, I, remember, he said, I could tell you so many miracles that he did, but this one, it still moves me. He says, this guy that had this skin disease, he said, everywhere the guy went, he had to go around and warn people that he had this contagious skin disease. Everywhere he went, he had to go around saying, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. I'm unclean. Don't come near. I'm unclean. Can you imagine for years and years you had to go around and announce that about yourself? And he comes up and he, he looks at Jesus and he said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. I mean, this guy had been bullied. His, his countenance was low. He just wanted God to touch him. And he said, when Jesus saw that, he turned around. He went over that guy. I don't know what kind of handshakes were in back then but I think he grabbed him and he put his hand like this and he said absolutely I would love to man how have you made it all these years man you've been through some pain I am so proud of you and he gives him a big hug he said man I love you that's Jesus you know what I'm saying y'all still tracking with me and look, he, Nate says, we're almost done, but Nate's, Nate says, look, the night Jesus was crucified, he got down on his knee and he washed every one of our feet. I was so mad at myself. I should have been doing that. But Jesus did that. And he said, guys, I need you to remember that you didn't choose me. I chose you. And I didn't want servants. I didn't want somebody to carry my luggage. I wanted Friends, I wanted, I wanted partners in this. I'm so proud of you. You can do this. 
That's the kind of, and, and Jesus said, now look, I gotta go to the cross tomorrow. And I'm dying not only for your sins, but he says, I've got to die for the sins of the whole world. Because I want people to have significance, to have a relationship. So I go back to this scripture I read before. At the end, God made him who never sinned to become my to take on my sin so that I could be totally, completely, 100% right with God. That means every morning when I get up and I, and I go out the front door, I, am, I got the greatest commodity on the face of the earth. I got rightness with God. Do you know that? That came at a great, great price. But that righteousness, it's because he created us and now he gives us this significance that I never want you to look down again. Now, are we a work in progress? Oh my gosh, I am a work in progress. Do I still sin at times? Absolutely. I get up in the mornings, I say, God, I said that again yesterday. I did that again yesterday. I got these issues. I do. I know I do. But here's my hands. Here's my feet. Here's my mouthpiece. Let's go for it again. But I go out every day right with him. Is everybody tracking with me? I was at, I was at a, youth, a youth meeting one time. And this pastor held up a sign. He said, how many of you are 80% right with God? How many of you are 60%? How many of you feel like you're 20%? He said, there is no in-between number. You're either one or you're, you're either zero or you're 100%. The good news is, regardless of how you came in this door, it, that, that status of being right with God is not for the spiritually elite. It's for anyone that calls on the name of the Lord. He made it easy for us, right? Everybody with me? And so I think you can relate those same things the way Jesus treated his 12. That's what God wants for every one of us, to have that type of relationship. But then he sticks this line in here, and he says, by the way, you as a church, I've given you this task as well. I need you to go out and reconcile the world. I need you to go out and do it. Now, come on. That's a, that's a big task. How, how, did, how does that even happen? And is that task just so monumental that it's just so overwhelming that it's really not ever going to be done? And all it does is induce guilt upon us because we know we're not really that good and we're around a whole bunch of people in Knoxville and the surrounding area that really aren't that interested in the things of God. So, I mean, I was just like Cup Hill from the beginning. This is depressing. Not at all. I think, this is me, but I think God would never give us that task if it were not doable. I think that he gave us that task knowing that we could pull this thing off. How do you do that? And I think, I think what we do is we have received significance. Is that word okay for you? Everybody good with that? We've received this, this fact that he wants me to be his boy. I, I could almost say it's like when the heavens are opened, I'm in no way putting myself in Jesus' role, but I'm just saying if the heavens were opened and you were there, he would say, hey, that's my girl. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. You're my daughter. 
You're my son. You got this thing. You got, I'm, I'm for you. And I think if we can turn around and carry, it's, only, it's one way I know to say it, carry that significance that we have received and carry it to the next person, that's our means of reconciling people to God. Do you, do you follow what I'm saying? I think we can, team, I'm telling you, you guys got it. I felt it in this room. I, I feel it in this church. And I think there's a whole city of people that need this. Now, we got to figure it out. And there's been some generations in, the, in, 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 in church history, and they've missed it. The message stays the same, but the method has to keep adopting. It has to keep evolving. And that's okay. But the church that's thinking ahead, the church is more interested in people than, it, and I'm talking the big church now, the big C. The church is more interested in people than its particular program or its particular institution. If they're more concerned about the people, they say, well, I got to figure this out. I don't know. It appears they're not interested, but maybe they really are. Maybe that's an illusion. Maybe I just got to figure out. And I'm telling you, we can do this. I love the church, and you do too. And I just believe, I believe this is their finest hour. And I'm just telling you, you guys have the goods. Now, if you look over in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, Jesus is talking about us, talking about the church. And he said, you're, uh, he said, you're the light of the world. You're a city set on a hill. He, he kind of uh, goes back and forth. He's, he says, you bring the light to the whole world and so forth. And then look, look over in, um, and I've, I think they've put it up in the message paraphrase. He says, you're here. Let me, let me pull that up. Y'all don't mind if I use my phone, huh? Okay, everybody with me. It's behind me too. It's all around me. The word is in you. It's on you. It's everywhere. Yes. This church is full of the word. All right. Look in verse 14. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. That's an interesting way. Now, this is a, par this is a paraphrase of this passage. Uh, uh, you're, you're here to be God colors. There's, there's a singer that, that uh, a Christian singer back from the 70s, and he, he died in a plane crash in 1981, but he used to, Keith Green, he used to have this song called uh, We're Like Stained Glass Windows. So the light shines through me, and it come out, may come out yellow. The light shines through you, it comes out green. It comes out, it, we're, we're, your light is not meant to be like my light. You're, you're not meant to, you, you have different giftings, you have different approaches, you have different interests, you have different people that you're connected with. You have a certain, some of you are extroverts and you love a strange room full of new people. Others of you, stressful even to think about. But God has, your goal is not to connect with everyone, your goal is to connect with someone. Who is that someone who are those someones that pop up in your life? My wife and I have about eight or ten of those right now. Uh, the, the, the dog groomer. And then there's the dog boarder, the, uh, you know, that does the kenneling of the dog. And, and we've got different ones. The one that, that cuts my hair. I've got different people in my life. And 
But who are those someones that you connect with? We're all, we're these God colors. And then look down. He says, a little, a little further down, he says, now I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, so shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. Doesn't even say be generous with your money right here. He says, just be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt others to open up to God. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? By opening yourself up to others, by willing to go there, to be transparent. This generation strives or, or longs for authenticity, realness. They're not looking for perfection. They're not looking for somebody that's got all their ducks in a row. They're looking for somebody that's real, that lets the light of who Jesus is shine through them. I'm telling you, you and I have the goods. We just do. <laughs> And, 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 and he says, by opening up yourself to others, it will prompt them to be open with God. When I was, when I was 21, I'd grown up in a, in a, uh, in a certain denomination, and I, I was grateful for it. But I, I really was not, not interested in, in following the Lord. I had in my mind what that looked like. If you had looked at my outer shell, there was, no, there was no visible sign of me having any interest in the Lord. And so I, I, was, I was a party guy, and I just was in, kind of enjoying myself. And, and um, this, this, this fella became a friend of mine. And we, we sat down for coffee at the student union, and, and uh, he said, man, what, tell me about yourself. I said, oh, man, I'm having a blast. Here's what we did last night and this and that. And, you know, we just talked. I said, how about you? He said, man, I'm doing good. And he said, yeah. He says, I, I gave my life to Jesus. It's really changed my life. I said, oh, that's cool. Good, good for you, man. And so we, we, we talked. Well, a few days later, we talked again. A few days later, we talked again. It's like he thought, he thought I had significance. You know what I'm saying? I mean, why was he doing that? What, what was he investing that time? We started hunting and fishing together. We'd go to sporting events together. We loved music, all of this stuff. And we became good friends. And the, as he did, I looked and I saw that the Jesus that I was avoiding was really the very one that I wanted because I saw Jesus in him. Do you follow what I'm saying? I mean, you're not far behind. Every one of you in this room have a story like that, probably, of somebody that impacted you. And I guess if there's anything as kind of an a, a outside father of the house or whatever, you, whatever role I might be, is, is I'm saying to you, hey, you can do this thing. And we need you not to be like somebody else. And not to try to, to, to be this perfect thing and not to try to take on the whole world. We just need you to be you and to let Jesus shine through you. And so I, I, I want to give you three things that I think, that three things you can take away, and these are real simple. Number one, with the, with the someones in your life, consider their value and look for ways to connect. I use that word consider. 
because I don't think it's in our nature to stop. We're busy people. We all got families going. We got everything doing. But stop and think about the people in your life. Who is that who? Who is that person? Who are those people? Consider their value. There's something inside of them. There's gold inside of them, but they may be covered with dirt. It's okay. Isaiah talks about how that God gives us the treasures in dark places. There are treasures. I mean, there are people in this city right now that are in dark places that are full of calling and potential and destiny. You know what I'm saying? It's there. Don't be moved by the outside. Consider, just consider their value and look for ways to connect. I, I, I was saying earlier, they, uh, my wife and I have, uh, there's, there's a guy that's been uh, waiting on us in a certain restaurant for years. His name's Daniel. And we've been talking with Daniel and so forth. And so the other night uh, we were in there and then Daniel went back and to the, uh, somewhere and, and the, the, I don't know what you call it, but the, somebody else brought the food out. And I looked, and man, he had, he, he had these sleeves, this, these tattoos, and, and they were intricate. And I said, man, I said, look at the ink. I said, man, that must, you must have some story to that. Oh, I do, he said. And he, he started, I mean, I know more about tattoos now than I ever have. He told me the right season to get one, who to look for. And I'm like, do you know how many tattoos I have to connect with that guy? I have zero. He didn't look at me and say, well, now, before we start this discussion, do you have any tattoos? You know what I'm saying? I'm just looking for a way to connect. I like the guy. There's value inside of him. It's not there yet, but I'm telling you, this generation has got to have a shallower end of the pool. It's just, it's just going to take some time. To, to Some of them don't have any context for anything, and it's okay. Get in there and look for their... Second thing is consider their journey. Consider their journey and ask questions. We're amongst friends. Can I tell you, sometimes the problem in the church world is we're too big talk, too, 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 we're, we're too prone to talk. You know, it's okay to listen. You know, before you, before you, before you get to the 14 scriptures that you want to share with them, just listen you know just listen just listen tell me your tell me your story what's your story about i'm telling you there are i this has become a favorite word of mine if you want to figure out how to get into people's lives ask them their story you will come away enriched because you will hear some of the most amazing and some of the, some stories have pain in it and sometimes I listen and I say man how did you how did you survive that I say I'm proud of you wow really I just thought that was normal part of life well it's not the way I grew up I'm hats off to you but let them tell stories I've I've, I've done this I've, I've done this with with uh, with pastors. Um, Will, who, uh, who works with me, I, I asked Will one day, um, just as my assistant, I said, man, I said, uh, you're biracial. I said, what, what, what's it like? What's it like uh, to be a minority and, and, and walk into a room of white people? What's that like? 
And he and I started, I mean, we just talked for hours and uh, over the years now we've just been, we talk and we love having those discussions. So I made it a point to go to some of my black pastor friends. Some of my closest friends are black and I was on a staff at a, uh, at a church, Sandra and I were at one point, Bethany had 40% of the staff, the pastoral staff was black. So we were very diverse but I never asked their journey. So I just started going to pastor friends. I said, what is it like for you as an African-American pastor in the American culture to lead when there's racial flashpoints and hot points around the country? What's it like when another statue comes down, when, when there's another shooting? When there's, what, what the, what's the tension point? What do you wish I as a white pastor would, would see? I'm telling you, I have made it a point now for over two and a half years every week to have a significant conversation with a person of another race or ethnicity to learn from. I'm just saying, well, I'm just, I'm just saying it will enrich your life. And this church is very diverse. This church gets it. But I'm saying take another layer there and go. I'm, I'm, look, I'm telling you, the last point is... is Consider their perspective and, uh, and look for ways to acknowledge. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm just speaking to you as a, as, a, as, a, as a pastor here, but the culture that we are in in America right now is an enemy in one sense to what the church should be doing on the reconciliation side. The political culture in America right now says no you need to get into a camp and anything outside of that camp is idiotic and you shouldn't believe that way and I'm telling you what it's getting the church messed up the church it's it's keeping us from we're carrying water for a, a, a political party or a political posture or something else instead of carrying the message of reconciliation we can do this thing guys I'm telling you, we can do this thing. And you guys in this house have it. So what I encourage you to do, get in there and, uh, and start asking questions. Start connecting. The Holy Spirit will help you. He'll do the convicting part. You don't have to get into that. He'll help you with that. You just get them to Jesus. Now I want to, I as I close, put up a couple of pictures real quick. Uh, or one, one picture... Uh, of, um, of a, it's two couples in it. There they are. Look, this is a, a cheesy picture. I pulled it off of Instagram, but they're friends of mine, so they're not cheesy. The picture's cheesy. Uh, the couple on the left, Peter and Carolyn, he's got the reddish hair. Uh, Peter was a DJ in a nightclub, and internally he was so distraught because he couldn't figure out if there was a God and if so which one do I go with and he was he was doing his gig one night it was a break he went out back to have a smoke break this person comes up to him and says I feel like I'm supposed to tell you that Jesus is the one you're looking for just out of the blue and then the guy walked off into the dark just like that. Peter connected with somebody that took him under his wing, led him to Jesus. And now Peter has a church of about 10,000 in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Gold in there. 
gold in there, but on the outside did not appear to be interested. Inside he was in turmoil. I think in every person, <coughs> there is that yearning for God. They want to be right. If you could help them, you can take them. The couple on the right, Chris, <coughs> excuse me, Chris and Pindi Matabula from, from Pretoria, South Africa, outside of Johannesburg. Chris was in, um, Chris grew up in, the, in a township in the slums and he uh, had got into crime as a teenager and just really leading a, a wrong life. And some lady looked at him and said, no, 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 that's not your, that's not gonna be your story. Absolutely not. And she took him under his wing. He pastors a church of 15,000 people and if you can put the next picture up there, that's one of his six Easter crusades during the week of Easter. Oh, thank you. Now, if Chris, if Chris walked in right now, he would be just like one of you and me. He'd be wearing clothes like you and me. He talks like you and me. He laughs and cuts up. We have the best time. He's just a fun guy. But there was gold on the inside of him. It was just covered with dirt. Everybody get that? You got this. I'm just telling you, you got this. The Lord will help you. We're bringing that message. We're bringing significance. We're carrying significance. God thinks you're significant. Now you go think someone else is significant. Everybody with me? Let's pray. God, I just thank you for this church. I just, <laughs> Lord, we just put it, why don't, why don't you right where you are, maybe just put your hands out in front of you or turn them over, whatever you want to do, but just say, God, who, who, are, who, are, who are the someones in my life? I, I can go there, Lord. I can do that. I can listen. I can ask questions. I can do this. Thank you, Lord. Now, before we close, while your heads are bowed, I've been talking about that relationship with Jesus. I love him, and he loves you, and he likes you, and he wants to have a relationship. He wants to have a friendship with you. And if you'll open up your heart to him and invite him in, he'll come in. He'll do the work. You don't have to get all your ducks in a row. He'll do the work. If you say, man, I need that in my life, would you just slip up your hand? I just want to say it. We won't embarrass you, but I just want to say a prayer with you. Yes, yes, yes. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. I see your hands. Let's pray a simple prayer just like this. You just make this your prayer. I'm telling you, the Bible says he stands at the door of our heart and knocks. If anybody opens up, he'll come in. So pray this simple prayer. Dear God, I thank you for what you did for me. I need forgiveness. I need a relationship with you. Come into my heart, Jesus. And I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we celebrate with those who prayed that prayer this morning? Hey, great job. Thanks so much, Pastor. Yeah, come on, give it up for Pastor Michael Smith right now. Thank you for bringing right, that word. Man, an honor to have you. Yeah, man. man, what a great...
great morning. We don't take for granted people saying yes to Christ in this house and um, just opening up their heart. And I'm so thankful for uh, just all of you believing with me.